You're listening to episode 204 of Mid-America Performed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I'm here with 2007 alumnus Nick LeMay to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Nick, thanks for taking the time to join me today on the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Jared. It's a real privilege to be here with you. Now, before we dive headlong into this topic, can you catch us up briefly where you've been since graduating from Mid-America? Sure. I spent uh, I spent quite a bit of time out of the country uh, serving as a missionary with the URCNA um, in Costa Rica. I've been back in the United States for the last five years uh, serving with the Presbytery of the Southwest of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I served two years as, a, as an evangelist in Houston, and I've been serving as... A call out of bounds since about since 2020, and I recently I recently finished a Master of Sacred Theology at DTS, and am currently working with uh, the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts in Plano, Texas. It's up in the Dallas area as an intern there for one year. Wow. You've had a lot of uh, ministry under your belt now so far. Great. You wrote a journal article for Mid-America some time ago on this very topic that we're going to be talking about on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What compelled you to write that article? Well, as a pastor and continue working with people, this topic comes up a lot. And people rightly are bothered by Jesus's words, I think. They, they're pretty striking words, that there is a sin which will not be forgiven either in this life or in the world to come. And that really bothers people. It bothers sensitive souls. And so a lot of, which is, a, I think, a good thing, but people come and they have their concerns and questions and they want to know, have I committed this sin? In fact, when you reached out to me, I think on Twitter, to to do this podcast, weirdly enough, I was actually in the process of responding to an email of somebody who had written asking about whether they had possibly committed the sin. So I wanted to respond to it and to kind of work through it myself. So we're going to look, first of all, in this first segment of three, at the introduction and the background to this subject matter. So Nick, could just enlighten us a little bit, could introduce this topic on the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and why it's important. You've kind of alluded to it already. Expound on that just a little bit more for us. Again, it's it's important because it's such a striking statement that Jesus made. That this blasphemy is so heinous to God that he refuses to pardon it. Um, not in this life, not in the world to come. It's important because there's also a bit of ambiguity in, in, in the text and in the tradition as to what it means. So you look back at at the, at the church fathers and what they were saying about it and the modern and but what was being said about it during the Reformation and even today. And there doesn't appear to be much of a consensus about its meaning. And so it is important for us to work through it and to, as best as we can, to grasp the meaning in order to, especially as pastors for, for pastoral concerns, to help people work through uh, their concerns about it. Now, 
There's a few scripture passages that do bring it up. We've got Matthew 12, verses 22 through 32, Mark 3, 29, Luke 12, verse 10. Can you give us a little bit of background on those biblical passages that mention it? We can go more in depth into Matthew 12 later on. I think in our next episode, we'll do that. But just touch base on those three passages, if you could. Sure. So, yes, like you said, you have Matthew 12, and you have Mark 3, and then Luke 12, right? And Matthew and Mark are the most similar. In fact, their contexts are far more similar than Luke. Luke Luke seems to include the unpardonable sin within what might be a section of Logia, sayings that are packaged within a a discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples, instruction he's giving them. The crowds are following him, and so he breaks his disciples away and begins to give them instruction. Part of that instruction, of course, is to fear God and not man who can kill the body, but God who can, after killing, can also cast into hell, Um, not to deny him before men, or they'll be denied before the angels in heaven. And then, of course, he, he tells them, when you do stand before men, the Spirit will give you what to say. But it packaged in between that where he says that, You'll be given what to say, and previous to that, we're telling him not to deny him before men. That's where you find in Luke the warning against the blasphemy, almost as if he's telling his disciples, don't deny me, beware, there is this, there's this sin, this blasphemy that's unpardonable. Uh, Matthew and Mark are a bit different. Matthew, the, the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, comes at the what might be considered like the culmination of a series of rejection narratives where Jesus is progressively unveiling or disclosing who he is by the power of the Spirit. And you see, correspondingly, the people's eyes opening up. And they they seem to be coming more and more to this realization that this one could be the son of David. This one could be Messiah. And they begin to ask this question more and more openly. At the same time, you see that the criticism from the religious leaders um, begins to mount. And their rejection of Jesus also grows. Until finally, it culminates in what might be considered a a definitive rejection. And that Mm. results in Jesus definitively rejecting them um, through the blasphemy of the Spirit. Like I said, we're going to look at Matthew 12 a little bit later on, so thanks for tuning us into that already. But let's look now at church history. There have been many historical interpretations of the blasphemy against the Spirit. We could think of early church fathers, medieval views, uh, reformational views, and then you know even modern views today. Take us briefly through each of those sections of church history, maybe highlight a couple of prominent theologians and what they thought the blasphemy against the Spirit means as we look forward to the next episode. Sure, and I'll just pick some of yeah, pick some of the highlights. For, for example, you go back to the Church Fathers, you have Origen, who thought that the blasphemy of the Spirit was a relapsing, that once having received the gift of the Spirit, those who relapse have committed the blasphemy of the spirit, the unpardonable sin. There are those who believe, for example, you can think of Cyril of Jerusalem, Basil, Gregory of Nyssa, Ambrose. There's there's a whole bunch of others. If you summarized it, some of their views are that the blasphemy of the spirit is a general speaking against Mm -hmm. the spirit or making false assertions about the Holy Spirit and his work. Ambrose, for example, is arguing against novation. Of course, novation... Was a her- was declared a heretic. Uh, be- 
he is a schismatic. He thought that the lapsi, those who had um, offered sacrifice at the altar of the emperor during the during the persecution of Decian, he thought that they could not be readmitted to co- to communion or to the church because of and, and Ambrose is arguing against that position that novation is wrong to exclude them that they are they haven't committed the blasphemy that um, the blasphemy is a speaking against the spirit and is committed by heretics and schismatics mm-hmm. particularly saint basil argued that the blasphemy of the spirit was a denial of his divinity the monarchians for example commit this error basil for example basil argues that those who assert that the Holy Ghost is a creature, he really emphasizes that. Those who think the Holy Ghost is creaturely, they commit the blasphemy of the Spirit. Uh, Jerome, together with Ambrose, call the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, or, or say that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit was calling Christ Beelzebul. Like, right there, you have that in the text. And Athanasius says that the sin, the, the blasphemy of the Spirit is a sin against the deity of Christ, as opposed to a sin against his humanity. That, as Christ says, anyone who anyone who blasphemes the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Spirit will not be forgiven, and he understands that as a sin against the deity of Christ. St. Augustine, interestingly enough, he makes a distinction between two types of blasphemy. He says, well, there's blasphemy in general, and all all people are liable to this kind of blasphemy. Jews, pagans, heretics may blaspheme generally. But as he's reading this text, he sees that there is a distinction between general blasphemy and a particular kind of blasphemy. That is the blasphemy of which Jesus speaks, the blasphemy against the Spirit. Though Augustine is not entirely certain what that is. He says there is an ambiguity in the text and that that ambiguity is left there on purpose by God. That, as Augustine says, that we might diligently seek, knock, and ask in order to understand it. Uh, ultimately, he thinks that this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is probably to impenitently speak against the gift of God's grace or impenitence to the end, final impenitence. So that while a person is alive, Augustine says you can't necessarily judge for certain whether they've committed the blasphemy of the spirit but if they're impenitent to the to the end then that's evidence that they've blasphemed the spirit move on now to some medieval and reformational views we've got lombard we've got aquinas luther calvin comment on some of these names yes so both lombard sees um impenitence as a genus uh, is a genus of sins which could qualify as unforgivable so he doesn't think there is one particular sin that's unforgivable but that impenitence is one of a number of possibly unpardonable sins Uh, these are sins of for example deliberate malice Uh, aquinas sort of expands on this he says that there's three possible ways that one might commit the sin it's committed by the jews of course there in the text, who accused Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebul. It's also hard-hearted impenitence until the end. And it, a third way is that it can be sins of deliberate malice, which practically put one beyond the hope of any repentance or restoration. And if you move on to the Reformation time, you have Luther and Calvin in particular. 
Calvin's view, I think, is probably maybe one of the more common views even today, and that would be that the the unpardonable sin is when somebody is so under the power of divine truth that he can't possibly plead ignorance, that he knows the truth, but this person deliberately resists the truth and rejects the truth, um, as Calvin says, merely for the sake of resisting. So this deliberate, continual resisting the gospel as revealed by the Holy Spirit, struggling against the Spirit's illumination, willingly, knowingly, and maliciously, that that, con- that kind of hardening of heart constitutes the, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Comment now on some of the more modern views. What are some of the more common views that we see today, perhaps in mainline evangelical congregations, um, perhaps even in some of our own Presbyterian and Reformed churches? Give some thought to that. Well, uh, among some of the modern views that I, that I talk about in the article, there's, of course, David McLeod, who argues that there are two species of unpardonable sin. You have a willful rejection of the gospel message and willful apostasy by a professing believer. I actually think these are probably common views about how the the sin is committed. You have people who are, are very concerned that they've either, sp- like, for example, most, most recently responding to someone who thought that they had committed the sin because they had had thoughts or even spoken um, blasphemously against the Spirit. Um, people who wander away from the faith, who are now concerned that perhaps they've committed the sin. Or people... I think a very modern, common idea is that people who persist in certain um, certain sins, certain sins that are like habitual sins, and they feel, some people often feel like they've gone beyond. They've just sinned one too many times. Uh, I think one very interesting idea is that the, among modern interpretations, is that the blasphemy of the Spirit is a calling evil good and good evil or confusing people's ability to distinguish between the two or as one as one commentator remarks that it's a blaspheming the miraculous power of the spirit of course this combs is the last name of the of the theologian who argues that who makes that argument that it's blaspheming the miraculous power of the spirit and as such according to him can't be committed today since the Spirit is no longer working sign miracles. Though I, I find this a little bit humorous, though he thinks that it could possibly be committed during the Great Tribulation, during the ministry of God's two witnesses. <laughs> so th- there's, there's always that. In our next episode, Reverend LeMay takes time to go through Matthew 12, verses 22 through 32, analyzing it verse by verse to understand Jesus' pronouncement of this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Tune in next time to learn more. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchborth. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.